Are you ready? Hey, you think you can tell us what to do? You think you can tell us what to wear? You think that you're better? Well, you better get ready. Bow to the masters. Break it down! Welcome to I'm Not Targeting, You're Targeting, talking mostly sports, mostly in the SEC, and mostly with the Bama bias. And now, time for your hosts. Tom was a regular starter on his peewee football teams. After high school, he took a relatively unknown intramural college football team and had them one win from the playoffs. Late in his college career, he was a two-sport star and relinquished his college eligibility to enter the NBA draft. As an undrafted free agent, he turned to sports gambling and poker to make ends meet. Now he's here to share his life experiences and general sports knowledge with the world. He's Tom Sims, he's Rush Chairman, and he's damn glad to meet ya. His sidekick, who hails from Parts Unknown, Red Bay, he claims he can beat any listener at Galka, which is probably correct considering you guys have like eight listeners. He has three Fortnite Victory Royale solo wins. He's been known to weeble and wobble, but he's never fallen down. He has the face for radio and the voice for newspaper, Mr. Jason Tiffin. Welcome to episode 5 of I'm Not Targeting, You're Targeting. Got a lot to cover today, so we will get right to it. But first, Tom, we made it to opening day. Did you have a good weekend? Yes. <laughs> All right. Man of... Man, that, hey, we've got a lot to get to, but with answers like that, we're going to come in well under the 30-minute threshold. <laughs> what was not to like, man? It's opening weekend. That was awesome. No kidding. Did you enjoy some uh, some brews, some cold beverages? I might have had a couple. Uh, what's uh, I think we went over that in episode one. I don't know why you wouldn't wa- uh, would watch college football without some, but uh, yeah, it was a good time all the way around. Oh, nice. Yeah, I just, I just popped a Frosty myself. We're going with a Modelo Especial tonight in the can. Oh, very nice. I'm I'm riding the Trim Tab Brewing Company IPA today. Wow, you had definitely have hair on your chest drinking that. I went there one time. When I got divorced, I had to introduce reintroduce myself back into the wild. So I met up with some uh, some friends in Birmingham, and it'd been ten years since I'd been on the scene. And we go to Trim Tabs. I'm like, cool. The, the brewery, man, that's where that's where it's happening. That's where it's at. And they poured me a beer that I've, and I don't even like coffee, and I have seen thinner coffee than this beer. It was like a Guinness would be jealous of how thick this was. I, I muscled one down, but not for me. I'm a sissy beer drinker, as we have discussed uh, numerous times in our lives. So uh, uh, one thing we forgot to do in episode four we forgot the word of the day and that is just uh, tragic on on our part but i do have a word of the day today i don't even know if i can pronounce it right i try to put it write it down uh like my english teacher would be proud of me for the pronunciation but it's called schadenfreude i've always called it shade and fraud but i think it's schadenfreude and what it is it is the pleasure derived from someone else's misfortune so i'll give you a quick example 
Tennessee lost to Georgia State. Schadenfreude. Oh, Indies. Schadenfreude. <laughs> Did I say that right? Schadenfreude. I think. I think so, dude. It doesn't really matter. I mean, we have two or three listeners there. They can look it up. It's spelled S C H A D E N F R E U D E. So look it up if you'd like. So this week, I've got a little outline here. We're going to go over the winners uh, that we thought were eye-catching. The losers, uh, one of them's already been mentioned. And then week, week two, games of interest. We're going to recover our, our bets that uh, are our, our, the, the games that we picked. Someone on this podcast is 2-0, and while someone else is 0-2. We will save that for later. Meaningless topic of the day, and then we're going to throw out four more games for you to bet your uh, paycheck on and it's going to be a 10,000 star lock I hate to throw those out this early but I've, I feel I feel comfortable this in week two. Oh, nice so first off uh, winners I'm going to start with Bama we had a sluggish start due to some suspensions but when we hit our stride you know that hit our stride that should be in our fight song if it isn't already I mean we smoked Duke you know, the, the best chance they had was for a basketball game to break out in quarter two, and that did not happen. So we went scoreless in the first uh, first quarter. And, man, I tell you, our running back situation, I feel like Trey Sanders was going to be number three, The you know, the true freshman that got injured. Mm-hmm. And with us not having one and two, and Jerome Ford, who looked great later on in the game, but that, that fumble could have been very costly – if we were playing someone that outside of the ACC, like from a real conference outside of the ACC, yeah, we could have had a, a real tussle on our hands in the first quarter. But Ooh, when the, the the starters that were suspended, <laughs> when the starters came in that were suspended, uh, you know, we took over. And once again, I, did Tua play in the fourth quarter? He did not. Okay. So in quarters two and three, he torched them for, what, 25 of 31, 300-plus yards and four touchdowns. I mean, a nice little two-quarter effort by him. But I want to focus on one guy, and his name is Shane Lee. He is number 35. He is a true freshman, if I'm not mistaken, and dude. He, Ray Lewis, looks at him and like, man, I wish I was built like that guy. He is unbelievable. Uh, I know you saw him, so I'll let you – that's all I really have to say about Bama. I'll let you close it out for us. Well, I'll, I'll tell you one thing. I wasn't as impressed with a running back play, and I'm not sure if that was a product of the running backs or the offensive line. Uh, let me ask you a question. Are you, are you worried about the offensive line at this point? It's, it is concerning. A lot of people getting on the chit-chat boards today, a lot of people believe that Deontay Brown, who's serving a four-game suspension, I'm not sure why. Maybe it was, was because he couldn't stay off the weed. What? Not sure if that's the reason or not. But a lot of people are thinking that he slides to the guard position. I don't know who we knock out. But I tell you what, for a number of reasons, I hope we don't knock out number 69. That dude is a monster. The, the transfer in from Florida State, Dickerson. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, it's – it's we, we I think everyone agrees that we really felt like we needed to get back to 2008, 2009, you know, 2011 Bama where the make-their-ass-quit type of mentality. And, man, I'm, I agree with you. We just did not have it from a running standpoint. And No, we didn't. And, and you know, and I mentioned that in our – 
SEC West breakdown, I, you know, I had predicted that Saban was tired of not being able to get that yard when he wanted to or that two yards when he wanted to or, you know, it's a third and three and we're subject to run it as many times as we'll pass it. But uh, that wasn't the case Saturday. We didn't blow him off the ball uh, like I thought we would. And, you know, hey, maybe – Maybe Duke's better than that. I mean, there's a lot of ifs in the in the country right now on a one-game sample size. But, I, you know, I wasn't impressed with the offensive line. Um, what about the kicking game? You worried about the kicking game? 0 for 2 Saturday. Yeah, but we hit both uprights. I mean, that ought to count for something. <laughs> it should. I, you know, it, it is concerning that we miss. But they, they both, man, they both looked like a kick should look coming off a foot. So, you know, we'll withhold judgment. But we've got to we've got to be able to hit those kicks. Even 40, 45 and in, we've got to be able to connect on a few of those. I don't remember what the second miss was, but I know it yeah, was shorter were, than the first. Yeah, they were both 45-plus, I think, somewhere around in that range. And uh, I, I wasn't disappointed. I mean, he's a true freshman kicker. He come out there and he got good wood on both wall, balls for sure. So – I think that'll come. Uh, accuracy, you know, it, it looks a lot better than in kicker's pass where we got one that just yanked, looks like one of my duck hooks off the seventh tee box. Um, so it, it wasn't that. So that that was good. So I, other than that, you know, Bama looked fine. The defense looked a lot better than I was expecting. I thought they would have some, uh, you know, a few more holes than they did, particularly with the new uh, freshman starters and lack of experience in the middle. But uh, – they look really good, and I was impressed with the freshman play. I really was. I think Duke tried to take advantage of of the freshman by, by running a lot of uh, misdirection. They even sprinkled in some option plays, and we were on top of all of it. So I was very pleased with the defense. Yeah, I think we are as athletic as we were with Dylan Moses and Josh McMillan in the, in the game. We're just not as smart. But athletically, agree. we probably didn't lose much more than half a step. So I, we both agree. Bama impressive on offense outside of the running game, and the defense looked very good. You know, these this day and age, and the way that it's an offensive uh, mindset in in college and definitely pro football, when you hold a team without a touchdown, you've done a heck of a job. So, absolutely. I'd, all right, let's go on to Auburn. I'll let you start with Auburn. Well, first off, I don't know how in the world Oregon managed to give this one away. Up 21-6, to six, they had a missed field goal, and they managed to fumble the ball in the one, uh, a first and goal from the Auburn nine. Uh, you know, I felt like they were in control for most of the game, obviously, until third and fourth quarter when Auburn started making, you know, the, the scramble back, the climb back to even, and then finally in the lead. But I am not – Again, I'm a homer, as we know, but I am not as impressed with Knicks in an, in this single-game sample size as the rest of the country seems to be. I mean, he only he only had 177 yards and two interceptions, and, and likely 50 of that was in that last-minute drive. Now, don't get me wrong. That was an impressive drive, particularly for a freshman in the big stage, giving balls a steal. He's got it. But, you know, you take away the last – 40 or 50 yards. He had 103 yards passing on the day with two picks. He, he threw like 42% completion rate, 13 to 31, I think, something like that. Uh, not mm-hmm. impressive uh, to me. And and one last point on this, 
who in the hell is coaching Auburn at the end of the game? They're up five with 12 seconds to go, and they opt to kick the extra point, then squib kick it so that Oregon returns it on the other side of the 50. They had a touchdown. A touchdown extra point wins that game there. Well, yeah, how, yeah. how do you not go for two? Well, how do you not go for two to try to tie it up at 21 to 19? You know, we, me and Gober watched the game together, and, man, we were begging that game to end 21-20 because Gus would have been absolutely roasted for not going for two. So, I agree with you. A lot of bonehead bonehead uh, play calls by him late, late in the game. Uh, back to the fumble. You know, for two straight years, Auburn is open with the favorite – well, I guess Utah is technically the favorite overall in the, in the Pac-12 this year, but – Oregon and Washington are co-favorites this year in their division. And two straight years, they've opened up with a Pac-12 favorite. And both years, said Pac-12 team has got inside the 10, I think both inside the 5, and they have fumbled. And not only fumbled in Auburn, ooh, Auburn jumps on it and, you know, they have to start from their two-yard line. No, it's a scoop and run. Last year, I think they got out to midfield. This year, they got to the three-yard line. I mean, Mm -hmm. who, who does that? Besides Auburn, who does that? So, luck is on their side. I, I, what surprised me the most in that game, I would say, was the Oregon's ability to rush the football against Auburn. Now I'd heard that Auburn, uh, that Oregon's offensive line was very, very good, but do we really feel like that they are better than Bama, better than Georgia? Man, I don't know. I mean, maybe they are. I don't keep up with enough Pac-12, so I, I was not overly impressed with Auburn. The, you know, Nick's had his had his moments, and then he threw. You know, the the two interceptions were not good at all. Heck, the touchdown pass was underthrown. You know, somebody on the chit-chat boards claimed that was by design. Well, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I'll defer to them. Yeah, I don't but, think you want to throw that pass in that situation either. I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I wouldn't want to put it in the hands of the kicker either at the end of the game, but that didn't seem like a uh, safe play when you were already in field goal range and, and three would win it. But No, um, I agree. Hey. I, I do think Auburn is, is a little weaker than I had anticipated, but I tell you what, they have A&M. They've got a couple of patsy games coming up. I think week four they, they go to A&M. If they win that one and you're an anti-Auburn fan as myself and you, you better buckle up because oh, yeah. they are going to – when they get the momentum rolling, they are as good as any team in the country. Oh, yeah. When things go their way, they really start to go their way. And, and you know, and I said I wasn't impressed, that impressed with Knicks. I mean, he can get better. I mean, he, he's definitely a freshman. But, but their lines, you know, they got gashed a little bit early in the running game, but eventually that defensive line settled down and really clamped down on Oregon in the second half. And the offensive line was not horrible. Uh, you know, they didn't, they didn't have a bunch of rushing yards in the first half either, but – both sides of the ball kind of settle down, so they'll get better too. And and it's hard to beat a team with two two good sets of trench uh, trench guys for sure. No, you're right about that. Uh, the third game I have I'd like to cover tonight is uh, Oklahoma, and they were definitely impressive. With Jalen was very impressive, and but here's the deal. At what point do they, you know, of course, Oklahoma's had back-to-back Heisman Trophy winners, and the the transfer from Bama has better numbers in one game than I think either one of those two ever had while they were there at Oklahoma. Here's the deal. Oklahoma runs a gimmicky offense, and they – they don't play defense. Houston, are they, what are they in? They're not in the Big 12, are they? Are they in the Conference USA or something? I think they're in USA. That's correct. 
But, you know, they're a, they're a Big 12 mentality. I mean, they're in Big 12 country. They don't play a lot of defense. And with to, looking at Jalen's numbers, passing the ball, I feel, I feel like Trevor Lawrence, Jacob Eason, Jake Fromm, Tua, Fields, and maybe a handful of others, maybe even Puma Pass, maybe even the kid from Mississippi State who looked pretty good. I think they could have those same passing numbers against Houston that Jalen did, but what separates him is the rushing yards. And and we knew that we knew Jalen made a fantastic decision for himself to go to Oklahoma to accentuate his talents. It was a great win for him, a great individual effort, but I truly believe that if they make the playoffs again this year and they run into Bama, they run into Georgia, they run into Clemson, I feel like they're going to be one and done. Yeah, same. I mean, I really miss Jalen. He's my friend. Uh, He did everything he was supposed to do, and he didn't do anything unusual. He did the same stuff at Bama. You know, Bama doesn't have that kind of wide-open offense, and I'm not going to sit here and, and say that, uh, you know, Riley didn't have a lot to do with that because his offensive genius is, is definitely, definitely overpouring the cup. But, uh, you know, Jalen, he, he did. I mean, that he, he, he was that good at Bama when he played weak opponents. Uh, yeah. When he, when he got into a game that we had to have him – uh, you know, really step up. He was he was still good. He's one of the top five or six best quarterbacks in the country. There's no doubt. Just so happened we recruited the probably the best quarterback in the country. And mm-hmm. you know, there's there's just some things that are outside of his expertise or his wheelhouse. You know, which is passing. And even Saturday, I I look for that specifically. You know, is Jalen back there picking apart? the middle of the defense. He made some nice throws over the middle. He did. But, you know, big chunk of that passing yards was on that busted coverage. That was that was big. We know he could run the ball. Mm-hmm. Um, he threw a lot of slants to those fast receivers, and they just took off with it. You know, slants yep. and little outs. It's, uh didn't take a lot of reading the field and, and, and putting the ball where you need it with those types of plays. But, but tr- hey, if you don't have to, you don't have to. I'm waiting to see mm-hmm. when they play Texas if he can do that against uh, – because that's probably going to be the best defense they play all year, and that's not saying a whole lot. But, uh, but you know, I, I'm, I'm anxious to see that game to see see how they use him there. But but even in a game like that, as we proved at Bama, heck, he can use his legs and still beat you. He, he's good. Oh, yeah. There's no doubt yeah. about that. Yeah, and on Twitter today, there was, you know, of course it was – you know Jalen versus Tua, and and I, and all the all the Twitterers like, oh, we you know we need to see we need to see Bama and Oklahoma in the playoffs. Well, you know, hey, how about let's make Clemson play somebody first round of playoffs? You know, like yeah, they didn't no have doubt. to play anybody last year, but you know they played Notre Dame. I mean, you know, Bama beat Clemson last, or I'm sorry, Bama beat Oklahoma last year. Let's let Clemson have a shot. Let's let Clemson worry about chasing a a, a mobile quarterback that can beat you with his legs and let us play some, you know, Johnny-come-lately-nobody like Notre Dame. So the bottom line is we have the correct quarterback for our system. Oklahoma has the correct quarterback for their system. Look at our – I mean, we have a numerous – I'm going to say more than two first-round draft picks at wide receiver. Jerry Judy is going to be the number one wide receiver taken – this coming year i would not be shocked if Jalen waddle is not number one next year and then that mechie kid 
is all everything. I mean, he's a true freshman, and he's cracking the rotation in the wide receiver lineup that we have. He's going to be pretty darn impressive. So instead of having a one-read quarterback that when the read is not open, he tucks and runs, which is what Jalen does a lot of times, I mean, we've got who we need. we got yeah. Tua. They've got Jalen. I think everybody's happy. Yep, and what's awesome about your statement there is that you're naming all these first-round picks and you, you, you even forgot rugs. We have so oh, yeah. many you couldn't even remember them all. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what you uh, what you got on Clemson? Uh, Clemson doing Clemson things. Uh, there was absolutely nothing unexpected or out of the ordinary in this one, I didn't think. Uh, you know, they had a, they allowed a few yards and some scores early, but that game was never in doubt. The game went about the way I expected at the end of the day. Um, no, nothing, nothing at all out of line for that one, as far as, in my opinion, I am O. Well, I've got very short, a very short snippet here. The game was on ACC Network. I don't have ACC Network. I'm oh, not getting about ACC that Network. Yeah. Yeah. So I didn't watch it. Uh, the QB had some – here's what's funny. Trevor had the numbers that Tua basically lost to Heisman last year because the numbers he had at Georgia. They were, Trevor had very equivalent numbers, and Tua lost to Heisman, and now they're saying, oh, Trevor, blah, 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 you know, this, that, and the other about him. You know, let's hold him to the same standard that we held Tua to. Heck, you know, last year, the Heisman voters, they let one game decide the Heisman, in my opinion. Hell, give it to Jalen right now. If you're going to let one game decide it, let it be the first game. Jalen's not a fair statement, Tiffin. You can't say well, stuff like that on the podcast. I tell you what, I tell you what, Vegas, Vegas had Tua as a heavy favorite up until right before the championship weekend. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I had to get off the soapbox there. One thing, though, I, like I said, I didn't watch any of the game, but ETN ran 12 times, 205 yards, and, what, three touchdowns? Dude, yeah, he looked that's, good. That's a man. He looked good. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's going to be I, a handful. I, I forgot about the ACC network debacle because I really wanted to see them, see how heavy the crown was, you know, to open up the season. I didn't think Georgia Tech had much. I mean, by all accounts, Tech's picked to finish dead last in the ACC with a new coach and new changes. But, uh yeah, I had to uh, sign up for YouTube TV in order to pick up the ACC game. I promptly canceled that Friday morning, though. <laughs> nice move. All right, the last game I've got, and I did not want to talk about this, but as you reminded me, we promised our hardcore listeners we would. The last winner of week zero slash one is Florida, and I guess Florida distanced themselves as the top team in Florida. I have that in air quotes. Uh, which this year seems to be like the fastest turtle. Franks, to me, is maybe a little bit better, still very immature. He punts the ball in the stands after they win. He's talking (laughs) junk to the camera. I mean, you know, at least our quarterback that talked junk to the camera in LSU was Blake Sims in 2012, and he was a backup at the time. I mean, we didn't have A.J. McCarron, (laughs) you know, um, mugging in front of the camera. So, Florida's – Man, it's just it's so weird. The older generation of Bama fans, your fifty pluses, you know, they 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 remember a Florida that was middle of the pack SEC that we never lost to. Where mine and your age group remember Florida of the Spurrier years. Where man, you know, I just I didn't expect to beat Florida when we played them in the nineties. So it, it takes a little get little of getting used to. Well, you're you're a gentleman and a scholar. What can I say? But it takes a little bit of getting used to for to not see Florida dominate with the talent pool they have. 
without crossing their state line. So what you, what do you think about Florida for the rest of the yeah. year? That, that was a crazy game. I hadn't seen a game that sloppy since they outlawed Jelly Wrestling at Harry's Bar. Uh, you know, what were those teams doing all fall season? You know, Florida had a whopping, brace yourself, 304 total yards of offense. That was three more Goodness. than Miami had. <laughs> Florida averaged <laughs> 1.8 yards per carry and had four turnovers and won the game. I mean, their legitimacy <laughs> in the top ten is only trumped by how many times I've made the finals for the publisher's clearinghouse and only to, only to come up just short. Screw you, Ed McMahon. Uh, yeah, it's <laughs> nothing more on that subject. That Very, very slow. Right, don't get me wrong. F- Florida's defense was legit. I really thought they were legit, uh, but they've got a lot of lot of screws to fix over the next few weeks if they want to, you know, even make a run at Georgia's title. Yeah, I agree. All right, let's move on to the big losers of Week One. And dang it, I'm letting you lead on this one. <laughs> so yeah, the first big loser is the Fighting Philip Fulmers <clears throat> from the University of Tennessee. This game was a real schadenfreude for me. Ah, did I say that right? Uh, <laughs> Close enough. A, yeah, here's a question for you. Did you know that Georgia State formed their first football team in 2010? <laughs> and did I you did know, because I'm a member of Twitter. <laughs> last year they finished up a uh, 2018 campaign with a, a sultry 2-10 and 10 record. Just missed a bowl game. Uh, (laughs) And, you know, the funny thing was, Saturday, this game wasn't even as close as the final score indicated. They were up 15 with three minutes to play. It's unbelievable. I know you're all over Twitter and you've you've seen this, but really cracked me up when the uh, Vols Twitter account went dark. Did you notice that? They, yeah, I heard about they were that. <laughs> tweeting about the game constantly, and after Georgia State took the lead of about nine minutes to go in the game, they went dark. There was twenty-four hours went by. There was not another post. <laughs> <laughs> well, we uh we had it on the the second TV, so I didn't watch near as much Ooh, as I would have been brag. on the primary. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not like a you, Mister Mister Sims, with three TVs that are affixed to the wall I, like i have to move my tv out of here because i have a i have to live i have to live in this room i don't have a a separate room dedicated just for podcasting and watching That's college for my football glaucoma. and drinking beer yeah okay but we <laughs> uh it was bad football and what here's what's funny uh, the vol navy as you know they you know the boats pull up to the to right below neyland stadium and they dock and i'm sure it's a good time is had by all but they've they have, I don't know, 40, 50 boats that do that. It's pretty cool, actually. They had a boat sink Saturday morning. Caught, caught on fire and sunk. And then, I don't know if you've seen, I think Barstool had it today. There's a band member that passed out on the field. And they don't, I don't know if it's a girl or a guy, but they don't help him or her up. They're marching around and, and show must over go on, guy. sir. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, and then they lose to Georgia State. Like that was they, they hit the trifecta on disasters. But man, I, I, it's what's funny is a legitimate Tennessee fan on Twitter 
He said, do we think, are we sure that Jeremy Pruitt is not a Bama plant to further bury Tennessee? And that's a damn good question because, oh, man, yeah. they play and, uninspired football. And their wide receiver took to Twitter to show the pimp coming in the door that you've seen that meme of all this time to collect yeah. his million-dollar check. <laughs> <laughs> hilarity, my they friend, played, hilarity. They played they – played, I think the only team that played might have played worse football uh, was Florida State. But now Florida State did play pretty well early on. They just couldn't close out. I don't understand what happened. But, man, Tag, I don't know if you're watching that game. Taggart is dead man walking. You know, he was on the hot seat last year. And they panned the crowd a few times. Now, now, listen, I understand the hurricane was off the coast, but it was nowhere near Florida. They moved the game from the east coast, which is Jacksonville, to Tallahassee, which would be – more on the panhandle and definitely away from the east coast I mean, it's probably 80 90 miles inland from jacksonville so that put it to that put it to a home game and it, it was an 11 o'clock kick which 12 eastern which they're in the eastern time zone there's no excuse for that crowd not to be jam-packed on game one and dude it was terrible like a uab game it was terrible <laughs> but no offense they, they couldn't they couldn't finish, and like I, I've got written down in my notes, I mean, change of time, change of venue, both of those things should have uh, affected Boise State, and Boise State just did not quit and beat their ass. I mean, it was an impressive win by Boise. Hats off to them. I like the way you always refer to, I've got it written in my notes. <laughs> it must be true then. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, everybody thought, Florida State's taking a step forward. You know, it was it was an anomaly year. It was Taggart getting everything put together. It was, you know, just getting all the dominoes, the pieces right. That was embarrassing. You know, I mean, this isn't even the Boise State. I mean, this is the Boise State who's good. They're solid. Don't get me wrong. They're a solid team. I'm not going to sit here to down Boise State. But they're not the Boise State that – you know, Statue of Liberty, Oklahoma. They're not the Boise State that kept run, making a run to the you know, New York Six Bulls. This is an average Boise State team. Um, they don't even have Peterson anymore. So, so Florida State losing at home in a half-empty stadium to Boise State is embarrassing. It really is. I mean, this is yeah. – I mean, we talked about this before. ACC, weak as pup piss. I think that was a quote from you, my friend. Uh, there, there are no other teams there. I mean, Florida State gets uh, beat by Boise at home. Duke loses to a weak Bama team by thirty something. I mean, it's it's ridiculous what's going on over there. Clemson will walk, walk to the stadium uh, for the ACC championship, and they'll have a good time doing it. It'll be an easy trip. Uh, it it really will be, and that brings us up to our that that closes out the winner losers segment. Always nice when we can loot when the losers are Tennessee and Florida State. The only thing that would have made it better if we could add Auburn and Notre Dame, but they won in valiant efforts. But talking uh, speaking of Clemson, our week two games of interest. I mean, we got, we got two big ones coming up, and they are they're in the time slots that we that are the best for the fans. We have the two thirty game. <clears throat> and the six o'clock game, Clemson A and M or the two thirty game, and actually, Tom, I have you leading off on that one. So go ahead and t- oh, give us your thoughts on Clemson A and M, sir. Uh, yeah, it is. Uh, I figured Clemson. You know, here here's one thing that I was talking to somebody about today. It might have even been Gober I was talking to. You know, 
in week one, particularly in week one, a lot of a lot of conclusions can be drawn, and people can you know uh, start declaring Heisman finalists and teams that'll make a run at the playoffs and that sort of thing. Those are all tough. It's tough to predict the best of of week one because you can look good. You, you may be playing a team that was supposed to be good, that's overrated, uh, so on and so forth. One thing you can figure out in week one is if you're terrible. Q Tennessee, Q mm-hmm. Florida State. I mean, the, you know, there's no getting around those types of games. But as far as uh, Clips and, and A&M coming up, both teams played cupcakes. Both teams outmatched their opponents at practically every position. Uh, they had no trouble, and there was not a lot. I just I couldn't figure out whether – you know, Clemson is defense is not going to be, uh, you know, give them any trouble after losing all the starters. I couldn't tell that. I couldn't tell if A and M's got all their crap together. Um, it was just not a lot to glean from the first game. Right now, Clemson's about an 18 point favorite. But if they look at this game the way I'm looking at this game, this is likely their toughest game of the year. We mentioned it. You know, back mm-hmm. in our Clemson preview, you know, possibly Syracuse. I mean, you you don't think Texas A&M and Syracuse would line up on the same field right now and A&M wouldn't be a 10-plus point favorite? They would be. Oh, yeah. A&M is going to be their toughest game of the year. And if they treat it like that, knowing that if they win this game, the rest of their season is practically a cakewalk, it wouldn't surprise me if Clemson just beat them, beat them to death. Because they're, they're more talented. Mm-hmm. I mean, particularly – Everywhere, <laughs> but Mon, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if Mon threw three interceptions this game because he's he's going to have to get out of the pocket. He's going to have to use his feet to get some throws down the field. Uh, but I don't. I hadn't seen that from a And You know, that's not A and M's offense last year. I mean, they weren't highly prolific. You're just going to Clemson with their defense. Is about like what we've been talking about for Bama for the last several years is that you've got to have a quarterback step up and have one hell of a game to be able to compete and possibly pull off the upset. I don't think mine can get it done. Yeah, I, I don't either. Dabo and Jimbo, they they went back and forth during the summer. Dabo popped off about how ACC is – you know, the excuse was the ACC was so beat up from playing each other that they couldn't win the national title – and the narrative had changed, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, Jimbo, who coached at the ACC for a number of years, said the ACC was tougher. So, if Dabo can run it up on him, he's going to. And I really thought that he would early on when I was thinking about this game, you know, weeks ago. But I, I don't know. A&M, they're, they're pretty good. And Jimbo in year two, it just – it really hinges on mind because I listened to – I think it was Childers and them today – you know, you might can stop Trevor Lawrence. You the might pony. can stop ETN, but good luck on stopping both of them. And I just don't, I don't I think it's going to be too much. And actually, you know, that is the the seven o'clock game. If I'm not the seven Eastern game, I think I stated that wrong. But the two thirty game will be LSU and Texas. And boy, Texas is poking the bear this week. Did you see the shirts on? I did. DBU. Oh, DBU, yeah. And what's funny is Bama has more defensive backs drafted in the last 10 years than either one of them. But mm. <clears throat> I guess that, you know, we're not going to let pesky facts get in the way of a good T-shirt. No. So, but <clears throat> UT, uh, 
the real UT, Texas, they're really full of themselves after beating Georgia in the Sugar Bowl. And I just, you know, LSU is a four, four and a half, five point favorite, and Vegas doesn't miss many. Uh, you know, Coach O has exceeded my expectations. Burrow in year two, you should have that classic LSU defense that's pretty stingy. I, I really see LSU winning. I do too, actually. Uh, I mean, I think exactly what I said about A&M and Clemson, there wasn't a lot to glean off Texas and LSU wins. They were both they were both big. They were both outmatched their opponents. But one thing I did see from LSU, LSU started going fast. Uh, you know, they, they made it a point to try to – hurry that offense up, which is uh, really a new thing that we hadn't seen from LSU in the past. Uh, now, was that because they were playing somebody so completely overmatched they felt like they could try some new things and they could get away with it even if they made some mistakes? Maybe. But we'll see this weekend. But I, I'm with you. I mean, typically if you've got two top ten teams playing each other, you would expect the home team to be favored. Uh, you know, if they're two top tens, they're they're supposedly evenly matched. Now you're mm-hmm. going to have somebody go on the road and be a favorite. Yeah, I I like LSU in this one as well, uh, mainly because of that Vegas tidbit. No, I I agree, I agree, and uh, they those are not our official plays. But if I had to lean, I would lean LSU covering the five, and I would lean sadly I would lean Clemson covering the seventeen and a half or whatever that number is going to settle at. But we're going to we're going to break we're going to break from college football and we're going to talk about our meaningless topic of the day. And the meaningless topic of today is bad beats in gambling. And boy, if you've gambled any, you've had some of these. But one one sticks out in my mind. I, I went to Tunica, I don't know, two or three years ago playing blackjack at the high dollar table. And Humble I got up, again. I don't know, a couple, yeah, exactly, four or five hundred bucks, you know. And I was like, well, let's let's don't have all our fun at the high limit table. Let's spread the fun around. So I went and got in a one-two poker, or maybe a one-three poker game. It's no limit, and you know, no limit scares some people. It used to scare me till my good buddy Tom Sims explained it to me. And <clears throat> basically, you can go all in anytime you want to. If you want to cash, take ten thousand dollars to a one-three table, you can. But you can only win what somebody bets against, bets against you. So I, it was. We hadn't even made an orbit around the table, I don't think. And I, I hit the big blind. I had been mucking everything. I hit the big blind. So that means I get a free look at the car at the flop if no one raises and no one raised. And I had the worst hand you can have in poker. I had two eight off suit. So. Almost I worst checked. hand. He's not really good at poker. Go ahead. Was it two? What is it? Two seven. Two seven. Ah, well, close enough. Uh, so I got a free look, and uh, I was ready to muck as soon as the flop hit the table. So remember, I had two eight offsuit. The flop comes king eight eight. So I flopped a set, and I, I, I'm not a good poker player at all. Yeah, <laughs> I, I knocked a. Uh, I'm not a good poker player. As, uh, as you're about to find out, but I've listened to Tom enough and watched enough to know that, you know, if, if you're sitting there with pocket aces, pocket kings, uh, you know, ace king, king queen, you're going to raise pre-flop to try to get some of the riffraff out of there, me being the riffraff. Well, nobody raised pre-flop, so I'm like, okay, well, at worst, somebody's probably got a king at the table. You know, somebody's probably got king, king five, you know, king two, whatever. So they're going to stay in. They got a pair. They're going to stay in. And so the, we go around the table. I bet another guy bets, and everybody else is out. So 
we get 4th Street or the turn, and it comes up, oh, nice. I don't even remember, let's just say a queen, a yeah, queen offsuit, you know, because so, I'm, I'm sitting there in my head, okay, I'm like, all right, what beats me? Because I'll be honest with you, I need a little cheat card, I don't even know what beats me. But I'm like, all right, I've got trips, so you know, uh, there's there's not a chance for a there's not a chance for a straight on the board. There's not a chance for a flush. I'm like, man, what is he? So I bet he raises. I come over the top and re-raise. He re-raises me. I'm like, dang, it's getting out of control. So I call. So the the river comes and the river comes like seven offsuit. There's no chance he's got a straight. There's no chance he's got a flush. I'm like, what has he got? So I I bet. Uh, you know, I, or maybe he bets and I raise, he re-raises. I'm like, I'm all in. And I, you know, I had a couple hundred bucks out there. He calls immediately. I'm, as soon as he called, I'm like, I'm screwed. I don't know what he's got, but I'm screwed. And he flips over King eight. So, I mean, there's only four eights in the, in the deck. I've got two of them. One of them's on the board. The chances of him having that eight, I don't know. You know, the, you know, the odds better than I do. But I never saw it coming, and it was just, I mean, a punch in the gut. I go back to high limit. I lose uh, more than I'd like to state on the radio. I go back to my room. I'm supposed to stay the night. I go back to my room. I check out and go home. <laughs> all right, Tom. <laughs> That's all I got. Oh, I hate that. We, we, would, we, would, we would welcome you back to the poker table. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I bet you would. <clears throat> um, as many bad beats as I have on the poker table, I am not going to tell you a bad beat poker story. They're, they're too numerous to name, and they're boring. Um, yours wasn't, though. Yours was fantastic, too. <laughs> yeah. uh, <laughs> I'm going to take you back, way back to when I was in college, the year 1996. Smooth year. I was an extremely poor sixth year junior in college. I would be betting 20 bucks on a football game and sweating it out to no end. I mean, it was it was a, a time of $5 parlays and $10 hedge bets. So I wouldn't have to sweat out the last leg if I got there. I mean, and, and to be perfectly honest, I don't remember the exact amount of the wager I had on this particular game that I'm fixing to tell you about, but I'll never forget it. And and, and then, if I lost $5, that was about two days of eating for me because I was a 99-cent Whopper twice a day right down the street. Boy, I'd run that into the ground. <laughs> um It was the first year that college football had implemented overtime rules. The game was Arizona State versus USC. USC came into the game as 12-point road underdogs. I had them at plus the 12. This was pre-USC running all over everybody, so this was a sweet pick by me. Anyway, the game ended at regulation in a 28-28 tie, and I was just savoring the victory, baby. You know, pass me a new Bud Light drink of choice back then. Cheap. Uh... I'm I'm just I'm just waiting for the clock to to tick down so I can collect my winnings. First overtime, both t- teams traded TDs. They entered second, 35-35. In the second overtime, Arizona State got the ball first, went up by seven, 42-35. You know, whatever, just in the game. Let's go. On the ensuing possession, USC fumbled the ball. Arizona State picked it up, returned it 75 yards for a touchdown and a 13-point win. 
That is sickening. <laughs> Plus oh, 12 sure? in college overtime. Are and we I sure lost. Auburn wasn't in, involved in this? They should have been. I think I think That's probably Malzahn was coaching for Arizona State then or something. It was oh, gut-wrenching. <laughs> I probably didn't eat that week. Yeah. All right. Uh, tweet us out your bad beats if you'd like to. Use the hashtag targeting not targeting and uh if we if you tweet us out and we find a good one we'll read it on there next time all right we are very over time right now so we're going to roll in the last couple of things we're going to recap our betting picks from week one and then we're going to pick week two uh as i teased the show earlier one of us is two and oh that would be me and one of us is oh and two that would be tom i had bama covering the point spread against duke and i had louisiana I don't even know what Louisiana team this is. They've changed their name to Louisiana. But I had them at around plus 20, 20 and a half, I think. Uh, I think Daryl bet on it. I don't know what it settled at. 18 and a half, 19 and a half. Doesn't matter. Louisiana covered. But I got relatively easy covers out of both of those. Tom, what two teams did you have? I had Memphis minus five and a half, who won by five. Some people might have got a push there, but Memphis outgained the Land Bears of Ole Miss, three hundred and sixty-four to one hundred and seventy-three. Ole Miss had one hundred and seventy-three yards of total offense, total offense, and I couldn't cover the five, five and a half. They won exactly by five. That's that's ridiculous. They're up thirteen to nothing, and then. I guess they realized that Ole Miss couldn't move the ball, so they decided to kneel on it the rest of the game or something. I don't know. I also have Virginia Tech. They lost by seven. They had five turnovers in that game. Lost by seven with five turnovers. Yeah, ridiculous. Two very fluky games. So, I feel good about this week. I'm on the the good side of it. I just got unlucky in week one. I'm I'm ready to roll. Let's get get on to the second week. I'm ready to throw out some games. For sure, quickly, 15 seconds. Did you see North Carolina kneel on the ball on their side of the field with six seconds left on fourth down and stop the clock and give uh, South Carolina a chance at a Hail Mary? I did not see that. That happened? Yes, <laughs> Mac Brown. They, they're on about the 45, and Mac Brown calls for the kneel down on fourth down with six seconds left. You know, he I guess he wanted the quarterback to kind of hobble around back there and fall down. Dude took a straight knee like it was third down and turned the ball Holy over. Holy cow. So what what South Carolina do? <laughs> South Carolina commits to get sacked. They couldn't get the ball off. <laughs> I did not see that ending. Wow, that reminds me of the Malzahn right. go for two episode. <laughs> uh, my two games this week are Tennessee and New Mexico State. Now, you might be thinking, Jason, you cracked all over Tennessee for not beating uh, Georgia State, and you're right, I did. But when as soon as I got beat, I looked at Daryl. I said, they play BYU next week. I said, if they're favored, we got to bet on them. Because who who is not any rookie better? If you're, if you're 21, 22 out there and you had just have started betting football games, you're going to be all over BYU. Trust me, I know you will because I would have been. It's a, it's a sucker bet. Tennessee covers that game easily. I say they win 10, 10 or more points. Uh, second game I got is New Mexico State plus the 54 and a half. In Saban's tenure at Bama, hook. outside of last year, yeah, as, as at Saban at Bama, outside of last year when we had Tua and we had Jalen, so when our backup quarterback come, came in, we had to, you know, we had to let him run some offense, keep him happy. That's not the case anymore. We're going to take the air out of the ball. When we play those opening big games, we have only covered, to my knowledge, game number two one time, and it was last year because, like I said, Tua and Jalen. 
So take New Mexico State plus 54 and a half. If they get in, the only way Bama covers that is a shutout. I think New Mexico State gets probably 10 points. We'll settle in around 55, and we uh, should be an easy cover for New Mexico State. That's my two games I, for this week. I have no comment on your Bama game, but the Tennessee game is BS. You must have looked at my sheet. You know I'm a fishy line connoisseur, and that it doesn't get any more fishy than the Tennessee line. Like I said last week, it's it's a little bit tougher to get those fishy lines in week one because you have no baseline. But with a full baseline here, and Tennessee comes out as a favorite this week over BYU, yes. I, I wrote that game down four times. Uh, sign me up, Rocky Top. I'm, I'm there with you on that one. Uh, my second one is also another uh, little bit of a fishy line. Missouri, you know, Missouri takes the L last week over Wyoming, which kind of put a little damper on my Missouri run. Uh, they still finished second in the East, like I predicted, but that was a surprising loss. But if you looked at it, if you really looked at that game, they outgained Wyoming in that game by 150 yards and had 12 more first downs. They also had first and goal inside the two-yard line, not once, but twice, and turned the ball over both times. Uh Meanwhile, West Virginia, their opponent this week, they beat James Madison, which is not a huge knock on the Mountaineers. I mean, James Madison is a perennial 1AA powerhouse or whatever they call it now. They, they won by seven. But the glaring stat to me, West Virginia only managed 34 yards rushing the entire game last week. You heard that. 34 yards yeah, on the ground. That was it. it. No. I mean, Wyoming – run all over Missouri. And, I mean, they had a lot of rushing yards. But if but if you can't run the ball at all from West Virginia, Missouri opened up after losing to Wyoming, opened up as a 14-point favorite over West Virginia. I'll take mm-hmm. Missouri in a minus of 14 all day. Two very fishy lines. At least Missouri has a little background there that, that gives me a little more confidence in them too. But Tennessee and Missouri, two-game parlay, sell everything you own, put everything you've got on those two games. <laughs> All right, since, since we <laughs> need to kind of keep different way. games, I will, change, I will change my Tennessee pick. I'll take LSU since I'm up 2-0 two, two or since I'm up 2 to nothing on you. I'll change my to LSU. So our official picks, four-game 10,000-star lock parlay, LSU minus five, New Mexico State plus the 54.5, Tennessee minus three, and we have a 20-star pick on that one. It is rare that we ever have that. And then Missouri minus 14. So whatever your normal point play is, double it. All right, last thing before I close, Instagram babe of the day. Tom, I got you this week. I, I sent you a picture. I know how my, I've got on, on my phone, I know how many times you've looked at a picture. My friend, you have opened that message up a lot and looked at that picture. <laughs> her name is Miss Lexi Hart. Uh, give her a follow on Instagram. Her name, it's spelled M-I-S-S. That, that lets me know that she's not married. And with my first girlfriend, Paige Hathaway, being pregnant, and my second girlfriend, Sophia Beverly, not returning all the DMs I give her on, out on, shoot to her on Twitter, I think I can safely move on to Miss Lexi Hart, but it's M-I-S-S-L-E-X-I-H-A-R-T. Words cannot describe this lady, this beauty. So just check her out for yourself. Tom, thoughts? Well, for my response today, I wanted to read you a little poem I wrote for Deb this week. It wasn't even for a special occasion either. It's just because I'm sensitive. I've really turned over a new leaf lately. 
Roses are red, violets are blue. IG models wish they could be you. <laughs> I was hoping that the poem had something with Nantucket in it, but oh, alas, it did not. <laughs> All right, guys, that wraps Irish. us up. For, that wraps <laughs> us up for episode five. Remember, if you're in Tulane, which is in New Orleans, if you're traveling to Auburn this weekend, you'll need to go north till you smell it, then east till you step in it. Take it easy, guys. Well, it's not.